Welcome back to the Infamous Horror Podcast on Patreon. I'm AC. That is JK over there sitting in the uh, the new bunker that he doesn't have a name yeah. for yet, but he's going to have a name soon. So if you'd like to pay, this, pay yeah, for no. naming rights for his studio, you can contact him on his social medias <laughs> and uh, you can pay for naming <laughs> well, rights for his studio. I like that. I like that. See, that's the businessman right there. I love yep. that. He's got to do that. So we came over here to talk about the greatest horror movie weapons. Greatest horror movie weapons. Yeah, I, I think the the way we should do this, and I really wish because I'm in the process of the move, and one of the things that I would have brought with me was the machete I got from the first Jason. And that was, you know, that's more of a tangible thing, but, you know, we should handle this as kind of a discussion. Okay. So okay. for me, you know, I have two that really stick out that are unique in what it is. And actually, I could do three. And if you'd watch the episode, the first one that comes to mind is the sphere from phantasm you know the blacksmith of horror um mark phillips from nightmares unlimited he does he recreates and re-envisions a lot of these classic horror weapons and he was cool enough and i'll tell you what ac stay right there i'm going to show you something okay Okay. i'll be right back okay jay's leaving for a second so now we go to uh infamous horror after dark with ac no I, i don't know what that means I just wanted to do the deep, sexy voice. Jenny's back, though. So we'll, we'll wait till Jake gets back. Here we go. I kind of didn't expect to actually pull this out, but I do have it with me. Oh. Mark Phillips made this for me back what? three or four years ago. And JK and the logo that was created for the show. And this what? is my sphere. So that, for me, folks, is one of the coolest weapons in Florida. It is amazing. And what? he makes these. He makes these. He makes, he's made the reanimator needles. He makes the gloves from Freddy, everything. And this isn't, the reason why in Patreon, we're not doing this because of Nightmares Unlimited. Don't get me wrong. But I wanted to give Mark his credit because he's done such amazing work over the years. And you can see him at conventions. But we were talking about, you know, great horror, iconic horror weapons, things that really stick out. This is definitely one of them from Phantasm. And this one that was made for me from him. So. Do you remember a, uh, what was it? Wasn't it a Peter Jackson film years ago, Dead Alive or, or Dead Brain Alive, Dead, yes, as they Brain call Dead. it? Yes, yeah. So I'm just going to go with a very basic weapon, but the way it was used was amazing. A lawnmower. Oh, remember I love that? it. I thought He's you were going to go with porridge just... for a second there. I thought you were going to go with porridge for a second there. <laughs> when they're at the table and it falls into the porridge. No, the lawnmower is great, man. The lawnmower, I mean, when he sits there, he goes, potty's over. And then, yes. Oh my God, that's such a but great one. Think about that. Like, you know, any of us could do that. Like, if we just lose it, like, I have some some neighbors sitting right over there that, you know, probably deserve the lawnmower treatment. Um, but <laughs> I, I literally just, just picking it up and just going into a thing. Now, it, let's be real, that's totally a movie thing because my lawnmower can't even handle the grass that it cuts. <laughs> so to kill a bunch of zombies or a bunch of people, it's not going to work. But in theory, the lawnmower is probably one of my picks that I, w- I would take on that one. Well, I'm going to go, I'm going to take you one and raise you one because okay. you're next, which the mask right here, um, issue 93 of Horror Hound Magazine, there's going to be a retrospective that I did. It's either 92 or 93. It's one. It's the next one that's due out. I did a retrospective. I talked to Adam Wingard and Simon Barrett and all, a lot of people, even Nick Tucci, who I, it was an interview I did with him when he was alive. God rest his soul, taken way too early. The point being is that the blender kill in your next, the blender in your next is one of the iconic horror kills of all time because 
it just comes out of nowhere, breaks that thing off, boom, puts in the plug, and and his blood coming down his face. And I talked with Adam Wingard about it and Simon Barry. They said it was one of the easiest practical effects they ever did in ever. Because you put it on the head, you know, obviously there's no blade in it. There's probably blood packets. So when it goes down, the blood comes down and it's a lot of Nick Tucci just selling it. Wow. uh, Yeah. So I'm going with that as the second one. Okay. I'm going to go with another unusual one from uh, from Adam Green's hatchet, the belt sander. It wasn't actually used for a kill necessarily, but Jenna's face was definitely sliced off with it. I actually used to own the, uh, I say used to because I had to sell it, but... The, uh, the belt sander kill costume, the only one left. I had a chance to go out to New York and do some acting professionally this year. The money's all on the back end, so I had to find a way out there to pay for it. Unfortunately, that was the item that I had to sell to, to make the money. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I love that movie. I love Adam Green. Uh, again, him and Joe Lynch and Holliston saved my life at a certain point in my life. Um, y- you know, that just to hold someone's head and just <laughs> belt sander right down. And when it cuts back to her, she's got the jaw like, oh, and it's so good. So That's good. So awesome. I think Belt Sanders is going to be my second choice. And you're going to be surprised with my first choice. It's going to be sort of a mishmash of things. Okay. Cool. So, Well, I want to give a quick honorable mention to something that's not really horror, but American History X with, with Edward Norton, the oh, curb stomp. That curb stomp, that curb, man, the sound work on that, the oh. angle they shoot it, it just, it sends chills to my spine. But that's not my number one. I think okay. my number one is one of the greatest kills of all time. And it's it's so celebrated. Um, it was celebrated really when he got the MTV Lifetime Achievement Award. And that's Friday the 13th. And I don't know what e- episode it is, what film it is. So please don't get on me about that. I don't know what it is. But the sleeping bag kill. He takes it, slams it. And that was one of the greatest moments of that tribute in the Lifetime Achievement for Jason Voorhees. I think at the time it was Kane Hodder who was in by, and bam, just bam, bam. So the sleeping bag is my favorite unique horror iconic weapon, killing weapon of all time is the sleeping bag. I'm going to go with something a little different for my number one here. And it's what you imagine. It doesn't actually take place on the screen. Do you remember the scene in uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, Freddy's Dead? where they go into Freddy's workshop and you see all the random gloves and all the random killing instruments. I want to see more of that. You know, the knives are great. I love the finger knives. That was my my first uh, horror film series growing up and, and seeing the glove and, and being terrified of that. And, you know, at times even using scotch tape to tape steak knives to my fingers to think I was Freddy. Um, but the stuff that he had there, there was one that had like curly Q sort of like right. drill bits or something like what would he do with that? So in my mind, I've got all these crazy ideas for that. But I think those would be my favorite horror weapons but unused horror weapons at this point in time my honorable mention of course would be the uh the chainsaw boomstick combo from evil dead you can't really beat that though (laughs) i will i will say this and this kind of goes off what you brought up with nightmare on elm street that's one of the things i loved about saw no matter how much you love the films the aspect of the the diversity and creative devastation and horror that the traps do and i'll give a special shout out to uh the uh, merry-go-round Oh. Uh, oh, it's one of the great, and I actually have the poster signed by Tobin and, and Costas Mendler, nice. and it's it's really one of the best, and it's seen that I almost dissected for my editing class with it, because it's so many quick cuts, and it's emotion, and it's sound, it's just terrifying, but for those, and, and AC, you probably haven't watched it, but probably better not. watch out, 
Chris Peckover, that's a movie I recommended as part of the Christmas episode we did last week. And I'll tell you what, Chris Peckover does the paint can scene or the paint can Mythbuster style in that film. <laughs> and it is awesome. So that's another one that was unexpected and absolutely welcome. So the other question that we have, being that's a holiday special, before we wrap this up for Patreon, what about the weapons at Home Alone? Are those horror weapons, technically? Well, a lot of people think that Kevin McAllister became Saw, became yeah. John Kramer. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say <laughs> yes. But again, as I brought up in the episode about them taking a character like the Kingpin and and Disneyfying him, where he's all emotional, he's got so much angst, but he doesn't do anything else with it. Um, it's the same thing with Home Alone. All those weapons, and you'll see him better watch out. I think the paint can would have been a little more effective if it wasn't a PG movie. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. I actually heard uh, Pesci dropped a lot of F-bombs. They had to make him say fudge oh, instead of fudge all the God, time. So man. He's so good. I love Kevin. I love yeah, Kevin Pe I, Joe Pesci. You love Kevin Pesci. We need to have an episode where we get Macaulay Culkin on to talk about the conspiracy theory because he loves it. He's already talked about it a couple times, but I think oh, we need to get him on to talk about it. That's something we'll work towards. Absolutely. But again, folks – Patreon, infamous Patreon. horror. You know, we're one of of many different episodes and shows that are a part of this network. So, folks, subscribe now, join us. And some weeks it's going to be items that we collect. And I'm, I was lucky enough this week to actually bring one with me um, when it came to it. But it's great conversations and topics, and we want to hear your feedback on it. So, please let us know what's what's one of the iconic horror weapons for you, folks out there. Yes, let us know. Patreon.com slash Infamous Horror. Infamous Horror on Facebook. Infamous Horror Podcast on Facebook. Or AC McRae 6363, Strange Man in a Filmland uh, over there. He's very strange. And he's in a filmland, so that's why he's a strange guy. I got Coffin Joe, man. Sports <laughs> Coffin Joe. Yeah. It's all good. <laughs> Well, that is what we've got for this week. I am AC McRae. That is JK. We hope you enjoyed the show and the Patreon. Come and join us next week. We're going to have some more fun on uh, the Infamous Horror Podcast. Hopefully, you come and stick us, stick around, stick us. I, I don't know what I'm saying anymore. You can anymore. stick him, not me. No, thank you. <laughs> and there's the horror weapon. And we'll there's the animator, week. folks. <laughs> Infamous Horror Podcast. <laughs>
Yeah, yes. And uh, how was yours? Did you have a good Christmas? Everything, get everything you wanted and everything? Yeah, I would say so. Um, for me, Christmas is my favorite holiday. I know everyone loves horror and Halloween, but, you know, when you're involved in horror 365 days a year, you know, <laughs> it, it's nice to get away from it for one day. And Christmas for me, I love Christmas. Spent it with my family, spent it with uh, my love, Susan Decker's family on Christmas Eve. And we had a great time. A lot of gifts, a lot of emotion, a lot of wonderful, wonderful, wonderful people to see and some unexpected surprises beyond gifts. So it was wonderful. How about you, AC? So it was good. Uh, you know, just we actually had a, a COVID outbreak with my wife's family. So didn't really oh. get to go uh, experience Christmas with them. We just kind of went and picked up uh, gifts out of trunks of cars and things. But um, it was good otherwise. I mean, you know, yeah. I got the... Uh, I, I, I'm still hoping for a, a late Christmas miracle. If anybody out there is watching and has an extra Hasbro Proton Pack, uh, you know, I'm still waiting for that late Christmas miracle. I did not get one of those, unfortunately. Um, but I did get the uh, the Plasma Series uh, uh, Family That Busts Together set. Uh, I think awesome. it's okay now saying that uh, it's Phoebe and, uh, and Egon. Um, and it was just absolutely amazing to see that uh, and have that. And uh so it was a good time. The kids had a lot of fun. We had a lot of good food, probably too much good food, and I'm going to yeah. pay the price for it in the next uh, coming Amen. weeks. But just good good times, good times spending with everybody. And I uh, just hope you out there also, like you said, had have a great uh, had a great holiday, have another upcoming great holiday season with uh, the first of the year and then all the other holidays that come up throughout the year. Just have a good time with those. <laughs> and I, I couldn't agree more with you and, you know, <laughs> 2022 you can look at it one of two ways either 2022 which means that we're, we're in for another 2020 right around the bend which hopefully we're not where you can look at it the way that i like to look at it is it's a new start we're moving on to a new year and we're going to work with what we got and we're going to move forward we're going to keep moving forward as walt disney said and walt disney might be one of the scariest people that you'll ever really find out things about um when it comes to the origins of a lot of the Disney stuff. But nonetheless, I want to give a shout out real quick. Okay. All right. Because I've known the folks over at the Horror News Network up in Connecticut for a long time. Christine, Rob, Sean, Larry and company. And Larry Dwyer and company that is associated with that and um, in the uh, in the, the CT Cult Classics um, at the Strand Theater in Seymour, Connecticut, they have at least six times a year an amazing, amazing um, respect and love for retro cinema, retro horror cinema and cult cinema. And they screen a double bill every other month just about at the Strand Theater. And I want to give a shout out because we had a chance to see not only zombie, but we had a chance to see demons on the big screen. Oh. And it was amazing. You know, the, the Italian horror, the gore horror. I had a chance to take Susan to it. Uh, her the first time seeing it i've seen it many times never on the big screen though and it was a wonderful holiday screening and larry and company does a great job up there with the, the ct cold classics um wow. screenings and i want to give another terror threads i believe that's the correct company justin's company i got me a new hat for christmas faces of death a nice trucker cap a little bit of a military feel to it and it is fantastic it was a wonderful time so i want to give a shout out if you guys if you're head up to Connecticut for, you know, a nice uh, weekend, usually it's on Saturday nights, check it out. Not that they need any publicity, AC. The theater, no, that's okay. you know, even with COVID, it was about 70% filled, that's which awesome. was awesome. And they're normally sold out. But I wanted to give the props to Larry and company for doing something for years now. But it's just, it's a great respect 
to uh, the classic uh, genre cinema. That's awesome. So what was Zombie like on the big screen? I, I like oh, seeing it. You know, the, the, is there still the grit to it or did they remaster it? Yeah, the copy we saw, there was that grit to it. Um, I, I, I don't want to say it was an original print of it, but it definitely uh, was a little bit of a throwback. And it was awesome to see the zombie and shark fight. And so cool to see, you know, you're, when they're in the, the jungle and, you know, how everything just goes to hell. And, you know, it was, it was just very, very cool. Uh, awesome. To be able to see it. And I don't get a, a whole lot of opportunity to go up there. Because from here in New Jersey, it's like two and a half hours up wow. to there. So I made it a point to go up there and take Susan on on a date because she's amazing. And I, I will say something about Susan Decker, who is absolutely, I'm so blessed and so lucky to have in my life. You know, there is. She's standing off screen like with a gun. No, she's not. She's... No, she's probably listening on the other side of the door, though. Um, <laughs> but, you know, one of the things I, I found today is we, you know, as we moved in to the new bunker here it's really crazy how life connects people and how you never realize who you're going to meet in your life and you think one thing and it turns out to be something else and vice versa i love the original little shop of horrors rick moranis it's one of the greatest you know yeah, horror musical comedies whatever however you want to classify it that, that has ever been put out on the screen and you know it's one of those that the soundtrack is not available for streaming you have to get on. To, yes, it's not available. I've never found it yet. Never found iTunes. Never found anything. So I was lucky enough to have the CD years back. Guess what she popped on today while we were unpacking? Of she, she all the soundtrack. Exactly. She wow. has it also. You know she's a keeper then. When yeah. you got that, you know she's a keeper. But I want to give credit and just say, you know, a lot of people are looking at this up and coming year as something that's going to be tough to get through. Look for the little small things and build off of them because the little shop of horror soundtrack in there makes me feel warm and to toasty all over. And it makes me thankful that I found someone to, to go into the next year with. And as always, feed me. Speaking of music and, and horror, I actually have to, you're, you're wearing a Faces of Death hat. You yeah. got to remember that epic uh, Faces of Death song from part four. Do you remember that during the credits? Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. We. You know, the AC, that's that's what's great about this series. And maybe as we go forward, this is something we can do for an episode. Because Faces of Death, for me, from what I remember, was my first horror film that I experienced as a kid. Really? Because you, you got to understand something. And for those watching, I'm sure we have a range of ages that go up and down the board. Probably, most likely, no one younger than in their 20s watches this. But people definitely older than their 40s watches this. But if you're like 35 or younger or 35 or older, you were part of a generation where you grabbed VHS tapes, horror, porno, yes. cult cinema, and you brought them over with your friends and you sat there and watched them. Well, that's one of the things I always remember watching films like The Evil Dead, watching yep. films like Halloween, watch films like Friday the 13th, uh, 976 Evil comes to mind. Yep. Um, but Faces of Death for me was my first horror film I watched on VHS and my first one that I can remember that really, you know, impacted. There might have been another one when I was younger, maybe Universal Monsters, but Faces of Death is what I consider to be my first horror film. And so I have a big cling to that franchise and I love it. I've watched it for a while. Don't don't start giving me trivia questions about oh, Faces no, no, of no. Death. But I will ask you this, AC, because for me, it was the monkey's brains the, the the serving of the monkey's brains where they crack the skull open and then they start scooping i'll never forget the monkey sitting there and for those i don't think this is a spoiler 
folks, but it's not real. Okay. So when you see that monkey and they crack it open, it all of a sudden goes dead and they pop off the, the, the skull cap. And for me, that's stuck in my mind. That still sticks in my mind for 30 plus years now. And it's crazy to even think about that AC, that something so terrible, even though it's fake with faces of death, it is, it, it's something that's really impacted me. And I think that early watching of it, AC, really kind of skewered and jaded the way I saw the world. And when it came to horror and it came to death and it came to life as I've grown up. What about yeah, you? What's yours? Uh, mine, you know, again, I saw part four first. So I always go back to part four because that's my favorite because it's just so cheesy and so schlocky, but it has the real death in it too. Uh, it was the lady who had a basket of puppies under her sink. And oh then God. she proceeded to wash and butcher the puppies supposedly, but you could clearly tell it was oh, just chicken. Um, yeah. I don't know because I, I'm a big dog guy. I love dogs. Me too. And just to see somebody butchering a dog for, for, food is wow. uh, is weird it's hard, I mean, it, was yes. whole, it was a whole cultural stereotype thing they were trying to do there it wasn't really appropriate it doesn't really carry well today none but of them just do the, uh, just the, the <laughs> these little fluffy puppies and that's yeah. here they are and then all of a sudden just you know here you yeah. just chop it on the chopping board but i do remember the monkey's brains from part one as well i think everybody does because then to yeah. me that then translated over to indiana jones and the temple of doom oh, when they huge. have that scene from there and I'm like, is that the same thing? Are they really eating the monkey brains there too? Because I thought it was real for the longest time. My my parents uh, were, they convinced me that all of those things were real. Not just the news clips, but right. all of it was real. It wasn't until I was a little bit smarter that I figured that right. out. Same but, here. Um, it was, I love Faces of Death. I don't even know if there's anybody still around that was uh, involved in the creation of it. But if, there's, if there is, we should get them. Uh, if yeah. not, we'll, you know, we'll just well, do an episode and talk about it for sure. Because it's definitely uh, impactful. I'll tell you something about Face of Death. So the director of Face of Death, and again, my, the name escapes me, but when he was... Was it Louis B. Gross or something like that? I know it's not I, the no, 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 no. Stephen comes to my name, Stephen Nonetheless, the director of Faces of Death, a few years ago, when I was when I was really doing Horror Happens Radio a lot, he, they, I guess his agent at the time was attempting to get him around to do interviews pertaining to it. And they wanted over a thousand dollars per interview. It was it was it was a big money. I said, as much as I love Faces of Death, there's no way yeah. I'm going to pay that for. I will never pay for an interview for a person. If you no, don't want to talk to me, that. there's no reason why I need to talk to you. Then I don't yeah. I don't care if you're the biggest horror icon in the world. If you're that stuck in the fact that you either that hard up for money or the fact that you have that big of an ego inflated by the dollar, you don't need me. I'm sorry. Yeah. I've talked to a lot of people, AC, in my life, and you know what? I'm I'm good. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think I might, we might poke around. I might see if there's anybody out there, but we're not paying for an interview. We, no. <laughs> no, way. no way. That's ridiculous. If you want to, you can interview me and pay me. Then that's works. That works. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, <laughs> here's, the, here's the crazy thing about Faces of the Death, and then we'll move on to the other stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, this is like YouTube and live leaks now. I mean, yeah. back then it was so shocking and banned in 40 countries yes. or whatever the, the promotion was. And it, now it's just like my kids can watch this on YouTube if they want to, like same kind of stuff. I don't encourage that. Um, right. There is a, a video out there. I, I don't know why I'm sharing this. Uh, a live leak video that somebody shared with me years ago called Humpty Dumpty. I don't even oh, know God. if it exists anymore, but it was a guy doing uh, cliff diving and he missed uh, and oh. it was doctors doing the surgical procedure to reattach his face. And at oh, one point his God. face is completely open and the tongue is going and it's, it's very graphic. Um, 
I will. Ne- that's an image. I will, a real image. I will never get out of my mind. At least I, I su- always assumed it's real. Um, wow. But I, I, the faces of death is is child's play now almost <laughs> compared yeah. to the stuff uh, compared that to everything happens else? every day. Absolutely. Well, you know what? Real real quick, and I remember yeah. Rob Zombie talking about this, and Eli Roth talking about this during Bravo's 100 scariest movie moments about films like Henry and The Last oh. House on the Left. You know how you had to how you had to ride on your bike over four towns to be able to go to the theater or the drive and where it was. And you, you know, it was like, it was like a hushed whisper that you were talking about. Oh, you got this tape. Oh man, we've got to watch this. It's so, you know, do we dare watch this? And it's so true. Films of that era of the seventies and eighties, there were a lot of films that were like that, but that again is a conversation for another show. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we're moving on. Uh, we're we're going to talk about the year in review this year, what we hope to see next year. Actually, specifically, three things we want to see next year and two things we don't want to see next year. Um, but we got to cover 2021 first. I mean, it's been a year. It's been a kind of a, a chaotic, crazy year where the world changed in 2020. There's no denying, not political, not talking about any of that stuff. It just, it changed because of COVID. We've never been uh, in, in our generation, or at least even my parents, my grandparents, uh, any generation that I can think of that has actually lived through a, a pandemic like this. I mean, I don't consider bird flu or any of that stuff that we went through. Right. Um, but this, you know, it changed everything. And I think we went a little bit more jaded into 2021 with what we see, what we, you know, we, what we want to see. Um, and I think it changed our habits. It changed our thinking a little bit. And 2021 was just an interesting year in that regard. Um, but overall, what were what were some things for you, Jay, that happened in 2021? Either personal things, horror-related things. What are some things that were like the highlights of your year, the good points of your year? For me, some of the good points was actually getting out back to festivals. Um, the month of September, you know, I was lucky enough in 2021. This is a se- I guess you make this a separate one as well. I was lucky enough to become assistant festival director for Horror Hound. You know, I got I was heading up PR for Horrible Imaginings. For Puff, I was, you know, programming the features lineup. You know, there was a whole bunch of stuff. I started working with and consulting with the Highlands Horror Film Festival. And the reason why I bring up those four is because the month of September was, for me, um, great to be able to get back out on the road and fly and actually travel somewhere. Because basically nine and a half, about 10 months out of the year, I did nothing. And I, I won't, and I won't, as much as I missed it, I was okay with it. I was okay with not doing it because one thing you folks know about me is that from 2016 to 2019, I I traveled to about 20 to 30 festivals a year. And so I was on the road all the time. And in 2020, when things went down, I was good with staying home. I was good with not doing anything. And I was really happy with just, you know, getting to kind of realign myself on a lot of levels. And my life changed so much at the beginning of 2020 AC. I mean, you know, everyone has changes, but mine was, I came in with very traumatic changes and it helped me to kind of change my life and all for the best. I've been very lucky, very blessed for the most part, knocking wood over there um, when it comes to it. But for me, getting back out to festivals and being a part of in, in, you know, in-house festivals, like Horrible Imaginings with Miguel Rodriguez and uh, the Highlands Horror Film Festival with Rob and and Alex uh, with with Philadelphia Named and Horror Hound, where, you know, people were coming out to Horror Hound Weekend and they must have 25,000 people. And from what I understand, no nothing in the way of a spreading event, nothing in the way of any sort of big cases. Everything was done right 
and protective with the festival convention and it was absolutely awesome so that was that's a big amazing. thing for me so what that's you? amazing uh you know festivals i would agree i only went to one festival this year i'll be honest days of the dead i went to okay. my daughter and her boyfriend um but i had one of my most meaningful experiences of the year uh I, you know i've met bill mosley dozens of times i know i've shared this absolutely. story with you i don't know if i've shared it on the podcast or not um, but my daughter's boyfriend, he, he uh, lost both his parents and uh, actually watched another of his friends pass away in front of him. So he's had a very traumatic life, a very right. hard go of it. This year, not only did he find out he was going to be adopted, which was really cool. Wow. Uh, he, he wanted to meet Bill Mosley because Bill is, is a guy him and his mom used to watch, you know, House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects before her passing. And, uh, you know, I said, sure, I'll take you down. And I didn't, you know, I didn't think we we're going to have the money to, you know, have him meet Bill or anything. But, right. um I'm like, you know what? There's the lines for the people I want to meet are too long or they've canceled. So I'm going to, I'm going to take him. I'm just going to take him over there. And I've never seen a reaction from, I mean, I've seen a lot of celebrity fan re reactions. I used to play Sergeant Kabuki man for trauma at, at some of their <laughs> conventions. So I've seen a lot of weird fan interactions, but he, he was up there and he was just, you know, I, I, I saw him start to just slightly twitch. He was just slowly shaking and him and Bill just had a conversation. You know how Bill is. He's just so yeah. engaged. He's such a kind man. Um, I don't even think he, he knew obviously anything that was going on. Bill mentioned to him um, or he mentioned to Bill. He said, uh, you know, I used to watch your films with my mom and uh, before she passed and Bill kind of just sat back and just got a little bit of a look in his eye. And he's like, well, if it makes you feel any better. Your mom and Sid are probably watching movies together. Right now. Hmm. And uh, I'm going to cry. Um, it was just really emotional to me because it, it changed, you know, him. Uh, in a way, you know, we, we're jaded. We've met a lot of people. We've talked to a lot of people, right. but it, you know, for him, he walked away from that and he had to go somewhere and put his head between his legs and actually like stop shaking because it was, it was just such an intense emotional moment for him. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I got to be a part of it. You know, he's not been a part of our, our group of people, uh, our family for, uh, for very long, but he's a good kid. And I'm, and I was so grateful to see that. That was one of my best moments of 2021. Uh, another you know, moment of 2021, this is a little outside of horror. Okay. Um, my son, uh, you know, had, uh, he's, he's never walked properly. He was born with some right. disabilities and, uh, this year he got his leg fixed. He, he was able to walk correctly. Um, the doctor said at some point he'll run, um, you know, but six weeks after he was made the, uh, the team AEW bat boy for the all elite. I saw the video. Game. And, Congratulations. Uh, thank you. He, uh, a big well thank you to Colt Cabana as well. Colt Cabana set this whole thing up has been just the, the best hero my son could ever have. And just uh they told him they just you know out there on the field, unbeknownst to any of us, hey, you want to run for this guy? And it was uh, JD Drake from the wingman. And uh of course my son Sean's like, Yeah, absolutely. And he hit the ball and I just saw my son take off I'm like he's running. Look at him run. <laughs> and I missed I missed him run to first and second. And of course, you know, I kind of figured they were gonna let him score. I didn't think they were gonna right. get out. But um they uh the video I've posted and I, you know, I can share it with, if people want to see it, DM me, I'll, I'll share it with you. It's on, uh, on YouTube, even just look up AEW bat boy. And, uh, he ran his first, not only for the first time in his life, he ran his, he's 12 years old, ran in his first home run in a baseball game, which wow. every kid should experience. And, uh, it was in front of a stadium full of people, Mark Henry, the world's strongest man cheering him on the entire AEW locker room, cleared the bench to celebrate with him afterwards and started chaining MVP with the stadium that's that is the moment of my year above anything and all things uh you know i love horror but that moment cannot be topped this year um, for me what do you have a moment that was kind of outside of horror or something that you that really touched with you well yeah i i would say so i mean i've been very blessed and very lucky that 
you know, Susan Decker and I have grown together since the pandemic because we met during the pandemic. We fell in love during the pandemic and things have been wonderful moving towards. And we've had our bumps and bruises just like everyone else. You know, that's part and parcel of it. But she's been a great support to me as, you know, my family goes ahead and is dealing with personal stuff. So it's been wonderful for her to be there and support for me. And one of the things that I, I loved doing this year, and I'm going to give credit to her. And I, I, I hate to say this because there may be other moments, AC, but they just, for some reason, they just don't tick as much as this. And this kind of trails over back into horror because horror is such a big part of what I do. Um, and, I, you know, when we talk about the next thing, I'll say it separate, but we were in Brooklyn at the Second Chance Film Festival, Susan Decker and I, and she was coming with me because at the time she lived in, she lived in a different place in Brooklyn. Now she's living with uh, her mom part of the time and living part of the time here with me. And we're seeing her at the theater and within the frame, my student film is going to screen there, which is amazing, right? So mm-hmm. no one really could come out, but her family made the point to come out and, and support it which is awesome, right? To, to have yeah. a great support system. Her family is amazing. Absolutely love them. We had a great time again this year on, on Christmas Eve. So I'm sitting there with her and we're taking pictures. And all of a sudden I see this crew like the Warriors. You, you know what I'm saying? The Warriors. Warriors, come out and play. <laughs> and it's her family walking down with in the frame t-shirts. That's awesome. Mom's in the wheelchair because she fell and fractured her leg and Susan's brother and sister and Susan's now fiance, Jeremy. Uh, congratulations to them. They got engaged over uh, Christmas Eve. Awesome. Congratulations. Yeah, it was wonderful. And they all came out in the shirts and they walked down the street in Brooklyn like they were bosses. And, and Susan surprised me with the t-shirt and I had the whole front row of them with the t-shirts on. And my aunt and my mom and my cousin showed up because we shot it on my aunt's property and she helped produce it uh, with it as well as Susan did. And it was just amazing. And so, you know, it, it kind of trails back into horror. But for me, being able to go back to school and see the success of the short film Play Festivals AC and now writing a script for a new one is something that has been really a highlighted this year because I've been able to grow in a different direction when it comes to what I do now. And it makes me a better person, a better professional, and hopefully a, a better creative figure going forward. So that's another one for me. Awesome. That, that, that's so great to hear. Like, this is why we're just a big horror family. And if you've got yeah. something you'd like to share that happened in your year, let us know on Facebook, facebook.com slash infamous horror, uh, infamous horror fo- podcast page, or on Patreon. You can see the link down below, patreon.com slash infamous horror. Talk to us. Tell us what your experiences are, too. We want to share some of these. And, uh, you know, people get involved, especially over the holidays. So we haven't had a lot of comments over the holidays or anything. People have got their own thing. But, you know, we know you're watching. You're out yes. there. We, we want to hear you. Absolutely. And it doesn't have to be, as AC said, it doesn't have to be horror. For example, another amazing moment in my life this year was the fact that I'm moving forward with the retro swing documentary about the New York City swing um, scene in the late 90s, early 2000s. A lot of people think it's a fad and it's crap. There's a lot of personal stories and a lot of people that never got any sort of credit or, or never had their story told. And they, you know, that was their livelihood. It was more than a hobby. It was their livelihood. It was their life. It was the life of people for a good five-year period. So getting a chance to talk to some of those people and reconnecting during COVID and after AC, 
has been amazing. So that's another highlight for me, actually outside of horror for a change. <laughs> I, I'll give you one, another one for Please. me that was in horror real quick. Uh, so I talked a lot about Hail of the Deadites, the, the, right. uh, the uh, Evil Dead uh, fan documentary about the, the fans of the Evil Dead, made entirely by fans for fans, not using a second of filmed footage from the Evil Dead. Yes. Very unique in a fans. Fan documentary. Uh, I had a chance to be a part of that. My son, Ash, passed away a decade ago this past November. And this year, last year, um, it came. It was released finally. And that's how you and I met, the yeah. Philadelphia Name Film Festival. And then uh, this year, they gave us the news it was going to be on Shutter USA. Yes. And to me, you know, that's that's the home of horror right now. We don't have FearNet anymore. We've got Shutter, And I'm grateful for Shutter. I'm grateful for them allowing it on there. Um, I think it's Scream Factory that did the distribution deal. I'm not yes. sure who does the deals behind the scenes. And uh, of course, Stephen Martin from uh, some of the, uh, they're the bosses here at the Infamous Horror Podcast, a couple of the bosses. And uh, for his 10 years that, he, that he's been gone and then uh, the world gets to know about him. So yes. And that, and I'm that's really what, emotional this episode. I'm that's sorry. okay. <laughs> it's the holidays, my friend. And it's a new year and it's a lot of happy. These are happy emotions that are coming out, which is, so important when it comes to the fact of, of this community, because one of the great things about horror is that we live vicariously through these films and these people that we see on the screen. And to to be a part of your story, AC, and to be a part of that documentary, and I know because I've watched it like eight times. So I, I've watched it a lot, folks, because I programmed it. I watched it. I interviewed a lot. I interviewed Stephen Martin about it. I talked to AC. Many shout out to Brie as well. I'm throwing out to her among others, uh, you know. But it's it's incredible and it's well. It's a great tribute to your son, and it's great, just amazing, just amazing. So nothing to be ashamed to with those tears, man. It's well deserved, and it's a great celebration. It was I'm a very great, proud of great you. Year. Thank you. It's just, it's just an amazing, you know, I've had a lot of personal moments this year, you know, that are kind of sort of horror related or adjacent right. to horror or adjacent to Hollywood or all that stuff. Um, I actually got married this year too. I haven't really talked about that a lot. Um, Congratulations. I you. know. Back in May, uh, we, we got married in a cemetery. <laughs> Do you know the historical significance of that? No. So back in, in times of uh, epidemics and pandemics, there were a lot of people who would get married in cemeteries, actually, because of, first of all, it was, you know, a clean place to be. And they would like to be around their family who had passed away. Now, we didn't have any family who had passed away, at least my right. my wife did not. Um, but we found a, a large concrete cross here in the town we live in and right along the river and paid somebody to come out and perform a really weird uh, I like ceremony it. for us and people still I, I've actually had people ask me if I actually have a wife because I've never I don't mention her name on the podcast a lot I'm gonna do this one time because this is this will probably be the only episode unless she ever comes on um, I married a former adult film actress uh, I it's kind of hard to believe but mm -hmm. uh, Riley Gray was who I married the original Riley Gray not the one who stole the name years later oh, um, there's a copyright thing going on there we're trying to get that settled out but uh you know she's great and you know just like you we've we've had our ups and downs and we're we're working on some things but uh just one of those unique moments in life you see somebody in film and then you're married to them uh yeah so but it was a great ceremony great time and uh all focused on death and horror and pretty pretty cool pretty cool pretty um, damn cool dude love but, it 
moving on, we've got we've got a lot of things that we did this let's year. We can figure just talk about the entire year, but let's talk about some things. Uh, let's give out this real quick some infamous horror awards, if we shall, for some okay. of our favorite things we saw in horror this year. Um, let's start with uh, Jay. Did you have a favorite horror actor or actress this year that you just thought stood above the pack for for any reason? Well, it, it's interesting because for me, I don't tend to generally, unless it's a film festival, look at the individual performances because it's more about the overall project for me. But as I thought a lot about it, AC, I, I came up with a, both a male and female performer. And I know nowadays, okay. you know, that that line is kind of intertwined together. But I, for me, I've always believed that there should be a distinguishing aspect to male and female performances because the characters, the aspect of what yes. the subject matter might be, a lot of different factors play into it. So there is two. My problem is I'm the most likely, um, and my apologies right now, most likely I'm going to butcher their names. So I want to apologize for that right now. I'm going to do my best, I promise you. But you, you'll understand why when, I, when we get to that. So, so what did you want from me? Well, well, who is your? Uh, let's give your your top horror actor for the year. Who is your top actor? You know, it's interesting because it's going to attach when we later when we later on talk about our favorite films of the year. And spoiler alert: I have not even finished watching all of 2021's films yet. I usually go a month before I catch up on everything, and I watch everything during the month of December into early January. But Someone who, an actor who really caught my attention back in 2019 when I was working with Horrible Imaginings was on a film called Minor uh, Premise. And basically the film is about a scientist, a, a neurologist, or yeah, I think a neurologist. No, it's not a neurologist. Neurobiologist. Anyway, he studies neuro, the neurosis. Anyway, so the film's all about this doctor, the scientist who experiments on himself and basically fractures his personality into 10 individual personalities, how our mind is set up. And every six minutes, a new one appears and then goes away. And then the next one takes over, next one takes over, and next one takes over. Wow. And that's what the whole movie's about, basically. So the actor who took on that role since 2019 has been one of the best performances that I have seen. His name is um, Sayaf. Uh, Cedar Haran, yeah, I think that's correct. Sayat Cedar Haran, he's an Indian actor, but his portrayal of the lead character and the son who is trying to um, trying to go ahead and take on his father's legacy and his work at this university really, really was amazing because he was able to take on the 10 different parts of his personality and make it really 10 different distinguishable characters. Cause you remember what James McAvoy and split, you know, it was what 23 or 26 different personalities. Yeah, something like that. Well, minor premise. It's really interesting because you know, it's based, it's rooted in science where the 10 different parts of your personality, your, the structure of your mind and, and what makes you, you is broken up for this character and they're fighting each other um, as you go through the events, it's kind of like memento meets split. So we'll get more to it. But he was the actor that stands out to me as one of the best actors I saw with releases in 2021. Because Meyer Premise came out this year on a wide release. Okay. I'm actually going to give a, a little bit of a different spin on this. Yours is more indie. Sure. We talked about this a little bit. Mine's going to be a little bit more mainstream because being I have the kids and I've had a lot going on this Absolutely. year. I haven't had a chance to watch as much. Um, but the actor of the year for me is is an actor who I've seen him for years. You've seen him for years. 
he 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 creeps in and out of roles, and you're like, okay. oh, that, it's that guy, Clancy Brown. Oh, I love fantastic. me some Clancy Brown. He's he's killing it on Dexter as Kurt Caldwell yes. right now. I'm I'm actually as soon as we're done tonight, I've got to finish some things up with my kids, and I'm sitting down to watch Dexter, and I can't <laughs> wait. Um, nice. But he's killed it in that as the uh, the the mortuary uh, in the mortuary collection as right. the Undertaker. He was fantastic, just that low voice and i just i just love it and you know even that 20 years later still killing his mr krabs on spongebob let's be honest um he's so good man and he's got such a presence about him i yes. mean he's a over he's a looming figure but at the same time he can be so gentle in the way he phrases words and he approaches people there's a kindness to him but a yeah, fierceness I, at the same time i'm gonna i'm gonna take uh, i'm gonna take some hits for this i'm sure from some phantasm fans but i think if they ever remake phantasm him, he is the yes. only person that can take over for Angus Scrim. The right. I yeah. can imagine. And, you know, I think this is something we talked about before. I remember back when when Wizard had um, a magazine and they used to do the dream casts for the comic book movies before comic book movies were even the thing. And they always put in there, and this is something that stuck with me all the time, about Clancy Brown playing Sabretooth. He would have been phenomenal as Sabretooth. The voice, the, the you know, his physical uh, uh, makeup, uh, the aspect of the makeup on, oh God, it would have been an incredible AC. Yeah, Clancy Brown, my choice for, for actor of the year. And again, these are just unofficial awards. You know, who do you guys think? If, if you don't agree with us, you want to tell us that we're wrong, again, facebook.com, infamous horror, go and tell us we're wrong because we like to hear that we're wrong sometimes. And don't, don't, for, yeah, don't, actually, don't forget the Patreon down below, because when you watch the Patreon, you see these different segments before, you have a chance to comment even before we get to the next week's episode. So we want to hear from you. Yes. And yes, it's neuroscientist. I was right. Neuroscientist, folks. Minor premise. Neuroscientist. Thank you. There it is. Uh, Jay, who was your uh, your actress of the year? Who did you have for you know, the again? This is all the films that we've seen this year um, that have come out this year. Uh, you know, it does not it does not mean any disrespect to anyone else. No, we just kind of, we can't watch every movie. <laughs> no, we can't. And you know what? Real quick, minor premises on Hulu. I just wanted to say that because my the best actress, the film is on Shutter actually, which you brought up before. It's the film The Medium, and it's all about this uh, shamanism in Thailand. And how this this these two sisters, um, one is chosen to take on this role as the shaman for a village, and she pushes off, she doesn't want it. So her sister becomes it, becomes the shaman of the village. And so the family lineage is, I guess you could say, stained. I don't think that gives away too much. And the lead actress who plays, uh, I think the character is Nim. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Nim. Right. Um, basically, her name, ready for this? All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna attempt. So again, my apologies to everyone out there for the pronunciation. All right, um, Narala uh, Gluman Gopek. Uh, yeah, Gopek. Yes, N okay. Narala Gluman Gopek. I'm gonna show you the name so everyone sees it. Can can you see it? I can't see it. Oh, I can't show it to you. I still can't anyway, see it. It's anyway, too, too so bright. If you haven't seen the medium. You know, there's a lot of films out there about possession and exorcism. This one was generally frightening. And Thailand really does. I mean, a lot of the Asian cinema, you know, Asian horror is, finds ways to frightness that we didn't know was there. Stylized, atmosphere, you know, a lot of their myth, uh, lore, and urban legends come to life. And this film that takes on the aspect of an exorcism, 
Um, it's from the people who also did the whaling as, as well, okay. producers of the whaling. Um, it's generally terrifying. And it does what great horror should always do, AC. You know, no matter what happens, it's not going to turn out good. No matter what happens. Oh, and this film pays off on this. It's about two hours and ten minutes. It starts off a little bit slow, but once it gets going, it's absolutely terrifying. Watch it with the lights off. But the lead actress who played in that film, Nerala, uh, I believe is her first name. Now that I'm looking at it closer, she was phenomenal in it, taking on the aspect of the possessed entity, moving through forward and not just being some side piece that, you know, sits there with makeup on. She actually embodied and took on that character and really added layers and depth to really could be a very tired kind of character that we've seen in a lot of different films, especially here in the States. Awesome. I'm going to have to yeah. check that out. What was the name of the movie again? I'm writing these down and making notes as we go. The Medium. The, the medium. medium. Yes. So, so those my are the two. of the year is not yeah, from, sure. uh, mine's from, again, mainstream. And this one is probably not going to shock anyone that's ever heard me talk about movies. But it might, because I, as an actor myself, I typically don't like the performances of children. They haven't had enough time to learn. Not that they can't be good. They just right. typically haven't had enough time to learn. Um, McKenna Grace. God damn you. You are amazing in everything you are in. And I can't explain how this 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 young woman knows just how to create a role like that at her age. Um, okay. I don't I'm of the I'm of the belief you can learn acting, but you can't be taught acting, if that makes sense. Okay. I can I can teach you things and methods and everything, but unless it connects up here, you're not gonna be right. able to get that out on the screen. Um and the, really the secret of acting is you're just playing like you played when you were a kid, just with lines and parameters you have to stay within. What was um, the project Grace, from her? What's the project from her? Uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife. I had a she, feeling, yes. Yep, Ghostbusters Afterlife when she played Phoebe Spangler. Um, again, I'm a Ghostbusters fan. I mean, clearly got rocking the Egon <laughs> shirt today. Um, but he, uh, she, she embodied that role. And if you actually watch the role, not just because I'm a Ghostbusters fan, if you look at her portrayal, and go back and watch the 84 and 89 Ghostbusters films and watch the, the actual acting of Harold Ramis. There's little subtle things that she's doing that there's no way she could have picked up on without just getting it. Right. Um, she's been the little girl in Captain Marvel. She's been uh, so many so many roles over the past couple of years, and she's just grown immensely. And I just, I don't understand it. I'm jealous of it. And at the same time, she wins my infamous horror actress of the year award because that was fantastic. That's not to say that all the women in, in uh, this ghost buzz. No, I'm going to real quick. I'm, I'm going to say this. There's the, all the controversies coming back again about Ghostbusters because of the box set and Paul Feig running his mouth again. And we'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. Um, but this was a, this was a female led movie. There were three strong female leads. You had Phoebe who was, you know, sort of the nerdy, girl right. i connected with her as an old man because that's the kid that i was it doesn't matter that she was a woman uh callie coon uh carrie coon is callie um again a fantastic mom playing the role of every mom struggling trying to figure out how to connect with your kids if you're a single mom i was a single father for a while so i understand that in some aspects um and then at the same time you've got celeste o'connor who i would have loved to have seen more of in ghostbusters afterlife one of my gripes about the film but uh well again we'll talk more about that in a little bit um, but three strong female leads, uh, Ghostbusters fans turned out in droves. So I think Paul Feig's argument needs to go away for good. Yeah, Please. I, I, th I think so too. And I have not seen the film. I will see it when it comes out on VOD or Redbox. I'm looking forward to it. Um, because I haven't seen a whole lot of films with it. I had a chance to see Spider-Man 
absolutely loved it. It yep. was phenomenal without giving anything away. And I got to tell you something, you come, it, it's funny because you see Alfred Molina when he sat down with Jamie Foxx and Willem Dafoe being honest, but at the same kind of tongue in cheek, why did you do it? The money, he's, he's not wrong because the money was probably gigantic for it. And he's a very, he's a thespian. I mean, he is really oh, an incredible actor, but he was wonderful as Doc Ock. He was absolutely wonderful. And you appreciate even though it's not as big a role as you wished it could have been, AC, he was just amazing. And I certainly hope he comes back with Doc Ock because now you have more of you have more layers with that character, which is wonderful. When yes, it comes yes. I, I think that's like a top pick for movie of the year, non-horror movie of the year for both of us. Yeah. If not the number one, one of the top. I agree. That, I agree. And then uh, Willem Dafoe, when you don't think that his original Green Goblin can get better, yeah. it gets immensely it better. And I, the only thing that would make it better to me is not a lot of prosthetics, but just something like where he takes a goblin serum and his face slightly transforms. So we still get right. the Willem performance, but there's just that comic goblin look. Um, not as extreme as what they tested back in 2002, uh, but oh my gosh, Willem Dafoe. And I, I, this wasn't this won't spoil anything, I don't think. There's a scene when one character and him are getting into it, obviously Spider-Man and Goblin. Right. Um and he's just getting punched in the face and he's just smiling oh, and laughing. And it's just like, oh, God, that guy's creepy. <laughs> um, but that, that was a good movie. Uh, Jay, what, movie. Jeffer, what is your, of the movies you've seen, what is your favorite movie of the year? Best picture of the year, if you were, if you were giving the Oscar. If I was given the Oscar and I, and I sat down because I tend to put my list together and I tend to have like 30 on my list. Because <laughs> I, I firmly believe in the fact that you know, I get people who do top tens and I got all the faith in the world in, the, in what they're doing. But there's so many great films that need recognition, especially in horror. But for me, Minor Premise really was my favorite film of the year. I loved it. It's not really known a whole lot. It's not mainstream. You can find it on Hulu. Um, I was shocked it didn't get more of a run on the film festival circuit. It's sci-fi. It's horror. It's dark psychosis. And again, it's, a, it's about a neuroscientist whose father's legacy is taken over by his son. And he goes ahead and basically it's a mad science scientist kind of trope where he basically experiments on himself and breaks his personality up into 10 segments. And every six minutes, a new segment takes over him. And so he's trying certain segments are trying to stop him. Certain segments are aiding him. So he's all these different 10 characters. And then you have um, a wonderful uh, female lead in it who's his love interest and um, and also a, a peer of his who's there, who's going through a struggle. You have all this different people from the university who's trying to stop him. And basically the film takes you down a rabbit hole. Sorry to use a cliche, but it takes you down a rabbit hole where, yes, it's a complex narrative without a doubt. But once you sit back and watch it, how they edit it, the visual aspects they add to it, the use of sound in it, the story, it's a very complete movie. And it's just a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun, and especially if you're into neuroscience. And I'm not. I I, I enjoy psych psychology. I enjoy behavior management. So I for me, it has a little more of a, of a connection to me. But you don't have to love that to sit down and watch a quality film. And this is a quality film that deserves to be watched. So for me, you know, favorite. That's that's for me is a favorite one. That's more horror based. Yeah, you've you've made me definitely more interested in that. I have Hulu, so I'm going to go check it out as soon as I can. Um, Please do. Yeah, I just, I, I like Split, you know, you compared it to Split. I really liked Split, but if this yeah. goes deeper and takes it to a deeper level, I have oh, to see much. it because I love watching actors who put on a clinic when in acting when they do a show. And if this guy can do a, a character every few minutes. It, it, it's interesting, AC, because 
when you think about character, maybe character isn't the right word for it, because I think about being able to take on your persona, that particular part of your brain, whether it's the aspect of your your basic sexual component, the idea of the empathetic part of your brain, the idea of more of the the ego of what you have, to go down and break down your mind like that and to see him take it on with no visual aids, there's no visual effects with, when it comes to this. There's no practical effects. It's his performance that stands out and just, it blew me away. And the film blew me away and has stuck with me for a year and a half. Man, I'm, I cannot wait to see that. Mine, again, not going to be any surprise to anybody who's heard me talk in the entire year. This this year was the year of Ghostbusters for me. I started my year on January 7th at Harold Ramis's grave, paying tribute to the man himself. Uh, I ended my year uh, in New York City seeing the locations. And, you know, you and I sat there and had lunch at Central Park yep. within eyeshot of Dana Barrett's building. And, um, you know, just some some good things came. But Ghostbusters Afterlife to me was not the film that fans wanted 100 um, percent. I'll say that much. I think it to me, the Max Landis uh, treatment that came out a couple of years ago. Did you ever see what he had written no. about it? So he had a really good treatment. It turns out Max Landis had some issues, so we're not going to get into that. But if you can still find his treatment anywhere online, which there might be a few places to find it, it was a beautiful story that included everybody, included comedic legends bringing them in and, and all these things, um, but still was led by females. Again, nobody has a problem with a female-led no. Ghostbusters. There are sexists out there, but they're the, no. they're definitely the minority. This whole thing with yeah. the sexism in Ghostbusters was blown up by Paul Feig and Amy Pascal, and I still hold them responsible for actually receiving photos of my kids' school and my kids at their bus stop uh, during that time because I went on a podcast then and said, hey, guys – uh, I don't want to see this movie. I think the trailer looks terrible. I don't think it's the right tone. And I don't like two of the main cast members. Didn't say anything hateful or sexist or any of that garbage. And I literally got harassed, even just really expressing my opinion, got harassed last week about uh, Ghostbusters 2016 online. But it helped me develop anxiety because of how I was getting attacked. And I'll say this. This is a hill I will die on. Uh, and I'll get into why I think this is the best film of the year for me. Uh, if your particular belief structure or ism it puts yourself above anyone else no matter what's happened in the past that puts you above anyone else that's bullying that's yes. not empowerment that's absolutely bullying you know there are you know for that you know there, there's great feminists out there who have fought for years for equal rights and the ones that make that whole thing what people see it as sometimes as a political statement are the ones who are trying to make themselves above anyone else um i don't believe that's right in any way shape or form we all should be equal gay, straight, men, woman, trans. I don't care. Equality is what it's all about. And Paul Feig and Amy Pascal running their mouths caused me some personal trauma in my life. And I'm so glad to have Ghostbusters Afterlife now because <laughs> we do have a female-led film. We have yeah. something that people enjoy. And it, it's a continuation of the legacy. It also puts a nice bow on it. If we never get another Ghostbusters film as a fan that's been there since day one, I'm content. I'm absolutely Good. content. It tells the story of the Spangler family going out to, uh, after Egon's passing to try and find out who they're, uh, who he was. And it actually kind of makes Egon look like a jerk for part of the movie. Um, but it, you'll, you'll kind of get that later on, why he did what he did and, and the, some of the things he did. You know, um, <laughs> to, to see the guys again suited up and to see, you know, uh, the new generation there as well. And be able to watch it with the new generation of fans, my kids. There is nothing better than that. Plus, Jason Reitman is a director and Gil Keenan is a screenwriter. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful direction, beautiful writing. There were some moments I think there could have been some more character development for me personally. Um, but 
in, a, in the two hour film than it was Jason Reitman creates this beautiful film that not only pays tribute to Ghostbusters, that not only continues and wraps up the original uh, story, but at the same time, it gives you that, that feel of every epic eighties movie. There were, there were right. cues of the Goonies in there and ET and uh, not so much back to the future, but kind of tonally some things from back to the future. And you just, you watch it and you just invoke all these memories. I know you're not big on nostalgia all the time. Um, but for me to, to get those feelings, that same feeling that I had as a kid watching movies, that to me sealed the deal for me. That, that made me believe again. And I loved See, it. I absolutely loved it. And I'm glad that you did. And it's not that I don't dislike nostalgia. I love nostalgia. In fact, I was watching last night, um, or yesterday, Christmas Vacation and Elf. I love the nostalgia of the holiday films and that you could you could ask me all about it. Scrooge is one of my favorite films of all time, if not my favorite film of all time. But that's right there is what I think was wrong with 2016. There is no issue. I have no issue with the female-led Ghostbusters film. No. What I have an issue with is how much disrespect is given to the people who laid the foundation and having them as side characters with no connection whatsoever with the universe Absolutely. that's what really bothers me about it. if you would have went ahead and had and i didn't like chris helmsworth as the stupid secretary guy i really didn't that was one of the things i didn't like that but if you would have had a team of of women who became the ghostbusters for the reasons they did and you know they came upon um the the variety of different cast and characters and they gave something even if it was just a cameo i would have been cool with that and that's something right now yeah. I look at more and more and more, AC, is the fact that, and this was done with WandaVision. We don't want to have Doctor Strange at the end of WandaVision. Why? Because we don't want to show, and this was said, this is not my yeah. opinion. I this remember. was said yeah. that, that we don't want a man to save her. Well, you know, I got yeah. news for you. I got news for you. What's what what's the reasoning now that in the multiverse of madness, she's going to be a character in the multiverse of madness? I, I just don't understand. I think it's more selective choice on where we can stand up for what we believe in rather than common sense. There's yeah. no reason why Dan Aykroyd had to be a cab driver who said the line, I ain't afraid of no ghosts. He sounds like a freaking fool. He does. Yeah. Bill Murray is the second. Give me a break. Please stop. Please stop. You, it, it just doesn't work. Okay? Go with what fits and what's right. And that's yeah. why I think Gold, Ghostbusters Afterlife, I could see why you're emotional about it because you had all the beats that made that were connected to the franchise. And that's Absolutely. the important thing with it. And there's, again, nothing sexist about it, nothing no. hateful about it, no, nothing about it. It's just common sense that if it fits, go with it. If it doesn't yes. fit in the story, and maybe you're, maybe people should take editing classes and screenwriting classes because I knew this before, but it was reinforced even more AC over the last year. If you have to kill your darling sometime, but if you don't and it works, then you leave it in. And that's something that was needed for it. And that's something why. But you know what? Who knows? Who knows? So. Yeah. And, I, you know, again, 2016 has its fans. I'm not trying to take anything Absolutely. away from those fans. I personally have not seen the film and will not see the film, not because of the female cast, because right. of how what happened to me. I did. I literally developed clinical anxiety. We're going to talk about that kind of thing a little bit, a little bit later. We've got a, a few more things to get to before then. And we're going to go a little bit long on this episode. But, uh, you know, I, I blame Paul Feig because he inflamed that uh, very much so saying because he realized very quickly and Sony realized very quickly, this isn't a movie that most of, pe of the people wanted to see. It's not just men. There were women out there. You can see their comments on. And 
had he just done a few things different, like you said, you know, made it, why wasn't Janine, why wasn't Janine or Dayton's team? Why couldn't it have been their team? I would, I would have right. loved to see Sigourney Weaver busting ghosts. I was hoping she would suit up this time around. Um, but you know, just don't make it about something the best can. Here's the other thing that now I'll, I'll, this is another soapbox moment, but I'll, I'll stand on it and then step down. We don't need to shoehorn a certain gender or type of person right. into an existing role because that's only going to create controversy, right? Create new strong characters. Look right. at Ironheart, Ironheart, Iron Man. Exactly. New, strong characters. Don't, you know, everybody was upset about Riri Williams in the comic books becoming Iron Man. She didn't become Iron Man. She became Ironheart. It's a new right. character. And you know, Stan Lee, when he needed a strong black character for comics, he developed Black Panther. Right. And look at look at the good that that's done. Develop characters. Don't just feed us recycled garbage, Hollywood. Exactly. Please. Exactly. Okay, exactly. soapbox over. I'll step down. <laughs> no, and, and and you know what? It's I'm glad you bring it up because with the end of Hawkeye, Marvel did something. And again, if it wasn't established in the comic books, I wonder if it would have been a controversy allowing Kate Bishop to become Hawkeye. Because Hawkeye is not the most popular character in the world, but he is he is a a, a cornerstone character for many decades yes. in the Marvel Universe. Absolutely. And she became Hawkeye in the comic books and long before the series. But if that was not there, would that be an issue? So I, it, it's it's really interesting how perception really tells a lot of the story when it comes to it. I'm mean, not yeah, like, But again, we're all for equality here at the Infinite yeah, Horror Podcast. Absolutely. We're not trying to down anybody. We just want strong characters. We want good movies. And we want some bad movies that we can make fun of from time to time as well. So moving on from that. Oh, one of my favorite movies of all time. You're next, Sharni Vincent. One of the greatest. One of the greatest. You want to call her a final girl. She's just, she's a Terminator, folks. One of my favorite female-led horror films of all time, folks. So what's up, AC? So we got, uh, again, we're running a little bit long here. We've had some great conversation, but let's talk about the, real quick, three things we want to see next year and two things we don't. This is our top five for this week. So three things we want to see for next year and two things we don't. Jay, what do you have on your list? We're going to let you do your list, three to uh, five to to Let's go back and forth because for for me, things keep shuffling through my mind. Of what I see, what I want to see, and what I don't want to see. One of the things I do want to see, and I'm, I didn't put them in an order of, of importance. I just did okay. it as things. Okay. I want to see Jordan Peele's new film. Nope. I want to see Jordan okay. Peele's new film because I was not a fan of of Get Out. I really wasn't at the beginning. And just like you're next, after watching it, after reading the screenplay, after writing the paper on the screenplay. I've grown an appreciation for the the talent he is. And he was always amazing talent. But that film has kind of grown on me. And I, I see it from kind of a different lens than I did when it came out X number of years ago. So I want to see Nope because I really enjoyed Us. I saw it at South by Southwest. And I want to see what Nope will offer and to see if Jordan Peele can continue, you know, taking horror in a direction that those is familiar as well as um, breaking new ground. Because The Twilight Zone... I'm sorry, folks. Canceled as quick as it came out. So what does that say about Jordan Peele taking on an IP that is really something that's been established? He's got to find a balance of the traditional and his own voice. And the Twilight Zone obviously wasn't. So we'll see what Nope is. Okay. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, for me, I actually want to hear news on a Nightmare on Elm Street reboot with Elijah Wood and Kevin Bacon. Not, not now here. Now here's the here's here's my brief pitch. Okay, there's a way to get Robert in here, and you tr- and you change the story at the same time, but keep it the same. 
everybody knows the mythos of all the canceled scripts and the, the Fred heads cult and all this stuff. What if Freddie was, was treated like a real life serial killer, like with murderabilia, like you have now with the popular serial killers. I have some upstairs in my house. What if he was treated like a real, real serial killer and they think there's a copycat, but it's actually Robert England as Freddie, knowing he, his, his power is running out. The dream demons are, are turning on him because he hasn't had a good kill in so many years. And by the end of the movie, you turn it into whoever is Im- imbued with the spirit of the dream demons or the Fred head cult does something there, something on that. I think I would like to see that personally. I think uh, Elijah Wood and Kevin Bacon would be great for it. I- I've heard Robert England even say he right. wants Kevin Bacon to be Freddie, but I think that's the switch. You make Elijah Freddie because I think he's a much creepier uh, actor than, than Kevin Bacon. I agree with you on that. And, and you know, kind of tongue in cheek about it. I-, I think it's an interesting idea to say the least. And if there was ever a time AC for it, it's now because of how they handled Tony Todd with Candyman. There is a perfect doorway for Robert England to be a part of it, but not be the full exactly. focus of the film and bridge it to something else. So I agree with you on that. I, it's yeah. a pretty interesting concept for I, I would I and I love Elijah Wood and Kevin Bacon. Yeah. I think they would be a lot of fun. And I can't wait to see what Macon Blair and Elijah Wood do for the Toxic Avenger. So. Well, that's maybe I'll talk about that here in a minute. What do you got? For uh, well, let's go with something I don't want to see. Okay. So I just watched Hawkeye and I really enjoyed Hawkeye. Okay. The first five episodes of Hawkeye. I don't want to see Disney take characters like the Kingpin and make them martyrs and real easy targets. For those who don't know and don't read comic books or are just getting to the party now, or haven't watched the Netflix Daredevil series. If the Kingpin opened, ripped that car door off the hinges, the person inside there would be dead. But because it's a Disney series, he sounds like he's going through a therapy session talking to her. Okay. I don't want to see these darker characters get the Disney treatment if you can't do things right. I don't want to see the Punisher come out and be someone who is, you know, if you want to do that, then find the other 95% of the characters who aren't dark and build series around them. Or make it where it's not the Netflix characters where you've already established the Kingpin and the Punisher and all that. You want to take Luke Cage and do that? Sounds good. Because you know what? He's not a dark character. But all dark characters, I don't want to see him become Disney-fied and make it where it's it's instead of being um instead of being dark and gritty and you know, something that we're afraid of, something you should be afraid of, they become Bambi and they're afraid of their own little shadow. I don't want that. So I want to see the next range of phase four characters, both on TV and screen. I want to see something that's a little more grittier because you have the Deadpool franchise now. And I'll tell you what, there's going to be a lot of upset people if Deadpool three comes out and it's really whitened down. All right. And what I mean by that is that it's really, really, really clean. It's really, really You know, it's not anything that we've seen before. So I don't want to see the Disney effect on a lot of these more grittier and R-rated projects if you're going to do that. Yeah, they, they tried the re-edit of Deadpool 2 into a PG-13 movie. For me personally and my family, did not work. No. Um, so Disney, I know you're not listening, but hey, give it a shot. Do something gritty. Walt would love it. Trust us. Yeah, and, and you, real quick, I'll tell you something. You're willing to see Kingpin throw around the little girl. But yet Kingpin can't be someone who is fierce. You've changed his location, his aura, everything. And I'll tell you something. The last episode of Hawkeye was not very good. I'm sorry. It wasn't. The first five, I really enjoyed. I know it's a Christmas series. I know there's a happy ending to it. 
but there's got to you, you got to give me a little bit more than what you're doing. So. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. One thing I don't want to see next year, and this is something I've not wanted to see every year, and it always happens. I am tired of just because a movie or a series comes out and it does well, it doesn't always need a sequel. Right. Does not always need a sequel. Case in point, uh, and this is a non-horror example, 13 Reasons Why. The first season of that on Netflix I thought was phenomenal. It was a good examination of uh, the hell of, of high school and the, the bullying and how bullying can take an effect in different aspects. And I thought they've done like three or four seasons now. It just watered down the story so much, made the original girl look like, quite frankly, a skank at times, which was defeats the purpose. She was the victim. She It just, it really bothered me. Um, in horror, do we need six million Saw movies or six million paranormal activity movies? No, the first one is fine. That's all we need. Let's walk away and do something else. You know, give that director a chance or that writer a chance to create, again, something new. Give us something else. Um, now, there's certain movies that are meant to be stories. Adam Green's Hatchet comes to mind. That, those first three films are one solid story that he had envisioned the whole time. He just couldn't film them all at once because he didn't have the funds for it. Um, but that that's okay if you've got a plan, if you've got a trilogy or something planned. But don't just keep giving us sequels to give us sequels and milk our pocketbooks because at some point we're going to stop and be like, remember when this was good? Right. You know, we don't want that. So that's one thing I don't want to see in 2022. Something I do want to see in 2022. You know what I want to see in 2022? I want to see. I want to see how. And this is going to be a little bit more of a technical side of, of film or the release of film. I want to see if we can find a balance where films are able to have smaller windows. What I mean by that, for those who don't know what I'm talking about, the time between theatrical release to VOD is called a window. And when you look at this. They tried to shoehorn everything into VOD when COVID was at the height of it. And let's knock on wood and hope that that was the height of it. But the point being is that films like Tenant and Tenant was, I'm not a fan of Tenant even by a little bit. It's confusing. It's, 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 it's a little too much for, for most people. If you want to watch something funny, watch um, Pitch Meeting with, with Ryan George uh, for Tenant. It's hysterical. I watch a Ryan George and pitch meeting. If you're not watching, you should be watching. I want to give props out because he's amazing. Uh, I think it's screen crush that it's on. Anyway, so I, the point being is this. I want to see if we can adapt it where we can find the balance of what films should be in the theaters and what films should be on VOD. Because okay. Wonder Woman going straight to VOD was a problem. Yeah. The HBO Max stuff, a lot of that stuff is on VOD. And Keanu Reeves came out this past week with The Matrix and said, I don't care where you watch it. You know how much the studios don't want to hear that? You know how much the people, they don't want to hear that? They want the theaters to be to become a factor. And I want the theaters Absolutely. to become a factor again for the right movies. If you have a movie that you know the bottom line is going to be better on VOD rather than theatrical release, and I don't know what the percentage of that would be, you don't need to do that. And Black Widow is another ca case yes. of that. I paid $30 for Black Widow to watch it on Disney+. Plus, uh, and I'll tell I'm you sorry. something. No, don't be sorry. <laughs> I, I enjoyed it much more the second time around. I'm glad I saw it. Don't get me wrong. But I didn't go see it in the theaters. I didn't go see Shang-Chi in the theaters. I didn't see any of that. I saw Spider-Man in the theaters because it fit a theater. Shang-Chi yeah. really didn't. Black Widow really didn't. Pick your projects that deserve to go one or the other. I want to see those windows shrink, and I want to see the allocation correct. 
Absolutely. And I, I like it goes back to what we said earlier in the episode. It's it's the world's changed. So let's mm. let's try not to keep people from theaters, but let's try not to right. put people in the theaters for the wrong reasons as well. So I absolutely agree with that. Uh, one thing I want to see next year, and you kind of touched on it a little bit. You, you tipped you might, you know, my hand a little bit here. Uh, the Toxic <laughs> Avenger remake with Peter Dinklage. Everybody's hoping Peter is Melvin. I'm hoping Peter is Toxie. I, yeah. I really am. Um, because he's a fantastic actor. One of his first films he was in with Joe Flyshaker, Trauma Legend. And Peter just came out recently and, and did an interview, uh, just a, a really quick blurb about the film, said it's going to be great, it's going to be crazy, and it's going to be a lot of fun. And he said it's going to it's going to kind of harken to those trauma movies that, you know, he even said, just like you, some of them are really, really bad, but then the ones that are really good are just really, really good. And I, I think that, that that gives me hope that the spirit of Toxie will be there and not just something to line Lloyd's pocketbook with. Right. But the spirit of Toxie that I fell in love with finding that movie on the video store shelf, the you know, the, the creature holding the mop. You know, who doesn't remember that kind of thing? Um, I think it also could lead to a good revival of trauma in the public eye. They've been kind of on a downhill slide since the early 2000s, I believe. Um, I don't know what the reasoning for that is. You didn't really like their last film. I haven't seen it yet. No. Nope. Um, it was I, horrific. It was one of the, you were talking about what's some of the worst films of the year. And for me, I really don't like doing that. But Shakespeare's Shitstorm was one of the worst films of the decade. That's how bad it was. Well, I'm, I'm hoping that there's a trauma revival and some public awareness, not just for my love of trauma, but because I'm in a trauma movie that's supposed to be coming out next year. And I would uh, kill Dolly, kill Dolly Dudley 2 coming soon. Self, shameless self plug. Um, but I want I want people to see that. I think that's a great movie. It's an LGBTQ slasher rock musical. And uh, I think it would fit very well, but it's not going to get the attention it deserves if trauma's on a downslide. So let's hope Toxic Avenger Remake comes out, does well, starts a trauma renaissance, drives Jay crazy, and uh, <laughs> we go from there. Let's see. What's something I don't want to see for next year? Hmm... Um, no, for me, you know what? I want to go kind of off of something you said, AC. Okay. Uh, you know, I don't want to see, and, and I'm going to go with Scream 5 here. Oh. I'm really tired also of seeing all these films and all these sequels for no reason. There's no reason to do a Scream 5. There's mm -hmm. none. I don't care how smart it is. I don't care. What I want to see is I want to see original content. I'm going to say till the day <laughs> I die. I want to see original content. I want to see some of the filmmakers. I don't want to see another Nightmare on Elm Street. I don't need to see it. I really don't. If you guys out there couldn't deal with the one with Micronaps and Haley Joe, whatever his name is, um, when it comes to it. Not Haley Joe. I would say Haley Joe Osmond. <laughs> Haley Joe Osmond. Although he would have fit really well. Yeah. yeah, really would have fit. I want to see something. I want to see something original. I don't want to see the constant remakes. And you know what? The, the problem with it is, AC, is it's always going to be about the pocketbook first. And for the most part, screw the fan. We want to go out there and there's going to be that that niche of fans that want to see that film. And I'll tell you something. It, it just every year I don't want to see it. What I, And this will lead into my final one when we get to it on what I do want to see. And, and, you know, and it's for a lot of different reasons. But you finish up with, with the next one. So I, I actually am going to tie my, my last two together. Something I don't want to see and something I do want to see. And again, touched on it earlier. There is a giant Ultimate Collection Ghostbusters DVD, uh, 4K Blu-ray set, I should say, coming out. Um, I believe it's a Walmart exclusive. Comes in a ghost trap. Has the first film, the second film, Afterlife. Two discs of special features. The making Ghostbusters book from the 80s. Uh, you know, um, I want to see that so bad. And I want to own that. But I will not buy it if it has 2016 in it. Again, 
because of what Paul Feig personally caused me in my life. I want to see that. And I, I believe it deserves to have a collection set, especially for wrapping up the original story. I believe once you get done with an original story, put out a box set, let it be, you know, but again, it's all about money. Um, I want to see the box set. I want to see special features that we've never seen before. I want to see special features more on the visual effects. They're, they're on the short Oscar shortlist for visual effects. Uh, Ghostbusters could win an Oscar this year, uh, potentially. Um, but but in the visual effects and you haven't seen it yet. Absolutely. Fantastic. The puppetry work and everything. Um, just amazing, amazing work. Um, but if that movie's in there, it's a no go for me. Absolutely. I think it's for a lot of fans. It's a no go. So that's what I don't want to see. I don't want to see his comments force the inclusion of that. I, I gotta tell you something. I hate to say this, but it's, I, I don't know why you're dying on that Hill, especially when you have something like that, you could buy that and throw that movie out. You could throw that movie out. I the know, but it's a waste. The principle, the, why is it a waste? Because of the fact, what about all that content? What about all those films? What about the aspect of the trap? You know, that is the problem. That is one of the biggest problems with fans. You are so blinded. And don't get me wrong. I'm a fan of stuff too. I absolutely love. In fact, that's going to lead into what I'm looking at. Because one thing I do, and I'll go back to wanting more original content. I want people to go out to more film festivals and start to migrate okay. back into life. Safely migrate back to life. I want people to go out and go to film festivals and see the next generation. But you know what I want to see next year? I want to see the X-Men pop up in the Multiverse of Madness. That's what I want to see. And I want to see, and this is really good. And again, AC, this goes back to what I brought up before. How far is Marvel willing to go with gritty content, including classifying a movie as a horror film? And according to what we've heard, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse is a horror-esque film. Let's see what happens with Sam Raimi, how much they neuter him. Because obviously it feels like right now that could happen. Yeah, that could that's happen. scary. I want to see the X-Men in the Multiverse of Madness in some form. I want to see Wolverine pop up or I want to see Professor X pop up. I want to see the X-Men next year. That's something I want to see. So let me ask you this. You know, Hugh Jackman and uh, Patrick Stewart have talked at length about, and I, oh, this isn't horror, but we have a lot of crossover fans, so we're going to talk about right. this. They, they've said for a long time, you know, oh, you know, Logan was the end for us. And that was a fantastic film in and of right. itself. I agree. But I think this is a way that they could bring them in and still have them be the same characters. And Logan can still be that endpoint. That can be that end game. I got to tell you something. If anything Spider-Man has taught us is, all it takes is a little tweak in the character and writing in the new universe. And guess what? You'll have Hugh Jackman, maybe not as the feral Wolverine like in Logan, but definitely something to that extent. And guess what? It'll work. It'll work, folks. So don't be surprised if we see Hugh Jackman back. And he's stupid if he doesn't take the paycheck, no. folks. Not like he does, needs the money or anything like that. But you know what? It's so perfect in what's going to happen, especially with Secret Wars coming out. It's too perfect for it not to happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think that's – was that all you had? That was all I had, Jay. I had my five. That's my five. I had my five as well. So uh, we got a couple more things really quick. And this this next one is really, really important to us. I, I, I wanted to get to this uh, a little bit late in the show and not lead with it. Um, let's get real for a second, Jay. Okay? I, I want to get real about some things. Um, I've been talking a lot about my anxiety and things uh, today. It's because I'm experiencing a lot of anxiety this time of year. And a lot of you might be experiencing the same thing as well. Um, I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety back in 2016. Uh, uh, it, part of it was caused by the Paul Feig incident, uh, which is why I'm so 
adamant about that, that, you know, I didn't say anything negative to anybody and my life was changed because of, of the words of some millionaire in Hollywood. Um, but that affected my life a couple of years ago. Uh, we were stuck, my family and I were stalked and harassed and threatened every day by, by violent meth dealers, uh, in a meth ring here in the town that we live in. Um, and it was, it was a terrifying situation. I actually developed PTSD from it. Um, not at the same level of a soldier or anything like that. I'm not trying to compare the two, but it, it causes me a lot of, uh, a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety, um, to put it lightly. And, uh, this time of year, just in general creates extra of that, you know, there's, there's a certain expectation for everybody. I think, um, I want you guys to know there, there's help out there and, uh, Jay, you've had some experiences as well. Um, you want to share some, a little bit about yours? Well, for me, it's been it's been less about me, but more about the people around me and the fact of how people and I'm not going to go in as in depth as you have about it. But I will say this, that, you know, I have family members who have dealt with depression, who deal with with a variety of different illnesses. And the holiday season is a rough, rough season for many people. And um, I'll use an actually I will maybe. Yesterday at my sister's during Christmas, um, someone who I never thought I would see at a Christmas party again, who recently suffered a stroke after being completely independent for a majority of their life, showed up. And even though it was a struggle at times, we were so blessed and so thankful to see them. But they struggle every day, and the holidays especially are very difficult. And AC, I can only... I can't even imagine what you've gone through and what your family has gone through, but you're right about the fact of helps available. And we all yeah. have dark moments. We all have dark times. And even if it's something that feels like it's uncharacteristic, you never know where it's going to lead. And that's one of the things about horror is we get to live vicariously through these characters and these actions and these stories, but we don't really touch anything like that. Well, this is real life. And this is something that really you have to focus on your mental health, especially going through the last two years now, even more. It's become more of a hot button than any other time I can think of in my 45 years. Yeah, and I'm glad we're talking about it. I'm glad we're sharing about it. And throughout the year, we're gonna do this a couple of times, but right now I'm gonna pop up on the screen. Um, there's gonna be a list of numbers here. And if, if any of those numbers uh, appeal to you, uh, if you need to use them, use them. Yes. Um, one thing we wanna see in 2022 is you. We want yes. to see you joining us in 2022. Uh, we want to see you out on the convention trail. If we're out of, at conventions, we want to see you at, at screenings. If we're out at screenings, we don't want to hear about someone who loved uh, infamous horror that's no longer with us. Um, yeah. You matter. Yes, absolutely. I, the people out there who tune in for us or don't tune in for us, it doesn't matter who you are, where you are, what walk of life you've come. If you're there, help someone. See if someone's okay. At least have at least have the foundation there to be able to say, "Listen, this is something that if you need help, don't be afraid to ask for help." Because that's the first step is admitting and moving forward and asking for help. And that's something I've dealt with in my life over the years in different situations and stuff. Obviously, AC has dealt with over the years and people that are connected to both of us. And it's really hard because I got news for you. My favorite movie of all time, Scrooged, and I'll take it back to a little bit of, of a little more lighter tone. But one of the things I love about Scrooged is when he's sitting there in the sewer 
and he sits there and he sees, I don't remember the name, uh, so my apologies, but he starts to really reflect on it even more when he sees him sitting there frozen with the watch in his hand because he wouldn't offer help to someone. He he said, I need help. He goes, go in there, you know, she's looking for a sucker. And he sat there and he froze. It's a movie, but it's so true with the themes of Scrooge. It's about help. It's about doing the right thing. It's about if you have stuff, if you're blessed and abundant, offering something, offering help, doing everything you can to make people feel better about themselves and actually helping them take responsibility and moving forward with their lives and getting the help they need. Robin Williams had the great quote, uh, at least it's attributed to him all over the internet about, you know, he tried to make people laugh because he didn't want to make anybody feel the way he felt. And uh, yeah. I get that. That's, you know, um, AC that you see every week is, you know, uh, a lot of work sometimes. Um, but I was wanted to get real for a second and share that because there's a lot of people struggling right now through the holidays and, and just in general. And, uh, you know, Jay and I don't have the answers, but if you need us and you have no one else, reach out, please. Absolutely. So Absolutely. Let's, let's move on from that, though. I got okay. Got to get. Let's end on a good note. Absolutely. Well, that <laughs> Jay, was you, you had something note. you wanted to ask me this week. So, what did you have that you wanted to ask me this week? My God, you, you know, AC. There's a lot of holiday stuff. You know, one one of the things, and and I'm gonna honestly, folks, one of the things that I deal with on a regular basis is as I've gotten older, my lack of a memory is starting to become more and more evident. So with everything going on, one of the things that I think I remember, AC, that I wanted to ask you was the aspect of uh, pertaining to a horror character. Am I correct on that? No, no, <laughs> you, you were gonna you were gonna ask me because you told me this and I wrote it down. Uh, you wanted to talk to me about horror holiday specials. What's what proper oh, needs mean, a holiday special? A oh, you mean a horror icon? Which horror yeah. icon would you love to see to do a holiday special? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, of course, of course. So tell me, tell me which one you think would be great for a holiday special. This this is a little bit of a tough one because you know there are Christmas type things that happen or holiday type things that happen or or whatnot sometimes in horror where they'll do a, like a little promo or something. But for me, it goes back to one of my favorite horror franchises. I want to see Ash Williams in a Santa hat, and uh, <laughs> I want to see him having the most belligerent Christmas party ever, where he has to fight some deadites and kick some ass. Bring along Kelly and Pablo too. Why not? Ah, I, love, I love it. I love but, it. But I think that's. I think that the Evil Dead Christmas special would be, you know, at the end you just have a bunch of deadite heads roasting on an open fire. I um, love that. I love. What would you me, pick? What, what, what would be yours? Phantasm. I want a tall man Christmas. I want a Christmas in the mausoleum. I want to see him walking by going, oh, oh, oh. Are the going to be on the tree? Oh, my God. Yeah, of course, it'd be the tree topper. And you have all the little ones, the different variations of it as the tree ornaments. It's freaking classic, man. And, you know, it, it, that's one of the things I came to love with the Phantasm franchise when the box set came out through Wellgo USA was the fact that it – you know, it's such a fan loved film, and really, it's it's really one of the few films or franchises that really is about a DIY concept. And every film in that feels like it's something that we could do. And it feels like you know Don Coscarelli, you know, it, it's something that he put his heart and soul in and wouldn't let anyone else touch, or at least no one touched that wasn't connected to the franchise and you see that with the different yeah. uh different chapters that is a part of the phantasm franchise but to see that i mean it would be amazing and and a smile from the tall man <laughs> or a wink at the end 
you know, a wink at the end. And you know, it's it's just it's just I would love to see fantastic. Maybe he, maybe he kills Santa and he's the new Santa. Well, how do we know he's not Santa or reanimated Santa? Or a reanimator Christmas special while we're thinking oh about it. Oh my god. <laughs> god. Oh, that would be so good. You see Santa's head reanimated. Ho, 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 ho. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, we're gonna head over to Patreon. We're gonna talk about some more horror over there. What is the greatest horror movie weapon? Join us on Patreon to find out. You can find us patreon.com slash infamous horror. You can find me personally online. Uh, all the social media is AC McCray 6363 or uh, strange man in the film land. You can find me there on Twitter. It's uh, horror happens RS. There you go. Find Jay, find me or at the uh, facebook.com slash infamous horror. Make sure you join us there. Infamous horror podcast. Just search us on Facebook. Like us. We post things occasionally. Check Absolutely. it out. It's fun. Once in a while. <laughs> Until next time. I am AC. That is Jay. This has been the infamous horror podcast. Yeah.